Thanks for choosing to listen to Coffee with Katie and Kick-Ass Women. I'm your host, Katie Myers, and I am so excited to tell you that yesterday we had our very first live recording of this podcast. We had so many kick-ass women there to hear one amazing woman's story, interact with her, ask her their questions. I'll debrief more on that a little later on because we have to get to today's guest, Christian Reed Agba owns a company here in town called Bethany East PR. Not only is she killing it for huge clients like the city of San Antonio, VIA, which is our city's public transportation system, and university healthcare systems, she's also organizing events, meetups, and advocating for women's rights and San Antonio's black community. She was recently named New York Life's 2018 Woman of the Year and just announced this past week her residency as an adjunct professor at Trinity University for the 2018-2019 school year. I think Christian is on fire right now. We've known each other for about three years now and met a few weeks back at Shotgun Coffee House Roasters on San Antonio's west side, hot off the delivery of her very first ever keynote speech to the lovely women at the inaugural Hustle and Socialize conference. We cover a lot of ground in this interview, including asking for what you want. That's a big one, asking for the things that you want, checking your privilege, and how she met her husband on Twitter. That's right, her and her husband, they are co-owners of their PR company and they met on Twitter. So we're gonna talk about that. She had Rossi and I cracking up the entire time. So this should be pretty fun. We begin the conversation today talking about the haters. The night before sitting down with Christian, I got my first hater on Instagram on a post that was so incredibly positive and so supportive of the LGBTQ community. I just was super upset and had to get some advice from her about letting go of all that hate and negativity. A warning about this episode that the audio is a little wonky, so bear with me. But without any further delay, join me for Coffee with Katie and Boss Lady Christian Reed Alpha. It's fantastic lighting here, though. Hi, and you look great. Okay, I feel it. You talked a little bit about this in your keynote, like the haters and, uh, you know, trying to cultivate a community of people who are positive or that make you inspired and... How do you respond to your haters? How do you respond to those people that are just like gonna be negative no matter what you do? Yeah, you just let them. I don't respond. I've actually, and that's growth on my behalf. Mm -hmm. I have had such a fun time building a a great community of people around me. Um, You know, haters just come with the territory. Haters, Haters come. You know, like people bring them along. They the wind blows them around, so they're gonna show up. So I'm really excited at the fact that I don't have to. I've learned that I don't have to respond to them anymore. Yeah. Um, I've just. Uh, I used to do petty stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I will tell you that, like, yeah. it took a lot of growth. Like, I had some haters that will send me stuff, and the next morning, and I'll wait on, I'll sit on it, I'll just send it right back to them. Mm-hmm just to be petty you know hey remember when you said this crap you know um and that never worked out for my good never worked out my energy was always wrong I never could read the universe just nothing was 
right when I was focused on my haters. Mm -hmm. None of my business moves were working out. I wasn't getting the jobs I wanted when I was focused on my haters. You know, I lost great friends focused on haters. So, mm -hmm. no, I don't give it to them. Yeah. Yeah. And I double tap or delete. Double tap or delete. That. That's like your new hashtag. <laughs> that we're we're going viral with that hashtag. Tell us about like what double tap or delete means, though. That means if you see something on social media, and social media is like a guise. Social media can be anything for for people right now. It's how to, it's a handbook on how to live your life, how, how to raise your children. Mm -hmm. You know, everything. It can be in a, a great tool to inspire you, or it can build within you such just jealousy and disdain, and you really have to make the decision to not allow it to go there. So double tap or delete is, if it doesn't benefit me, if I can't be happy for it, if I can't feel, if I can't gather the emotional response that they want me to get from it, mm -hmm. I delete it. If I can't double tap it, I delete it. Yeah. Get it out of my space. I agree. And it's just so much energy, I feel like. You, you lose so much energy spewing hate yeah. that like why even let that into your life why? yeah I waste time i know so i'm letting it go today good job yeah but so <laughs> you're but from shame on i know that was a fantastic photo thank you i love the caption thank we can you. all do this together like it was amazing it was a good photo we're better together than alone we are better together thank you i appreciate it um but you grew up in detroit yes and have been here for six years seven seven years now married for six Okay, married for six. Yes. So, you know, Detroit is obviously very different than San Antonio a little bit, yeah? A little bit. I draw, I think that there's a lot of similarities. Mm -hmm. um, and I draw on uh, my, my experiences in Detroit a lot while I'm dealing with projects here in San Antonio. Mm -hmm. I think that San Antonio has this weird um, mixture between how it how it accepts its culture as well as its industry and they mix together so fluidly you can barely separate you know you can't find a new it's hard for us to introduce new industry in san antonio mm -hmm. um and that's much like detroit with the automotive industry right so they're hard it's very hard to kind of generate general generalize you know a difference when you have that culture and that history right you know mm -hmm. so when growing up in detroit how, how did you grow up Ooh. <laughs> Both my parents were artists, or yeah. are artists, and entrepreneurs. So I was, I grew up in this very fearless state of the east side. Um, and the east side was really rough. Uh, but there was there were pockets of art and culture and expression. And then there was this STEM revolution. So I did, every summer I spent at a college campus. Uh, every Saturday I was at a museum. You know, I had a weird... Um, a, bringing my parents loved homeschooling for quite some time and then my mom took on a great position so we were put into high school mm -hmm. um i went to this high school called cast tech mm -hmm. so we have a cast tech here in yeah Tennessee. i know i was gonna say that yeah. is it the same company it's, it's no it's it's a public school detroit public schools okay. uh but it was a it was a school that was recognized to creating excellence within the city we had great programs great projects amazing teachers it was a huge school the biggest high school in the city of detroit mm -hmm. more than 4000 students wow so it was huge and it wow. was stairs, y'all, all kind of stairs. So I grew up working out because it was eight <laughs> floors, the high school Those was. quads <laughs> yes. were just on fire. I had the best calf muscles ever. <laughs> but, um, and so growing up in Detroit, it just taught me a lot about being independent. My parents being these artists and these super expressive people. And at the same time, being these entrepreneurs, I kind of didn't have... Uh, 
I got to go and get a job type of mentality. I had a, I can hustle up some things. I can create. And they were very uh, free with how they allowed us to create and, and build within ourselves. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I was strict Christian. My father is a minister, so I had that upbringing also where I had these very, very strong morals. And I would... Uh, I was in the choir and I did praise dancing, you know? Yeah. So I had all those mixtures, this urban, little urban girl um, that was super independent. I didn't like clicks. So I just had this weird little affinity for building and, and being around people. And I, Detroit was basically a playground for me. I yeah. was everywhere. That's awesome. And what made you, what brought you down here? Girl. <laughs> 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 the story I tell people um, is... It was the real story. The real story is I was kidnapped. That's what I tell people. I was kidnapped and brought down here against my will. But, you know, <laughs> human trafficking is real, so we don't yeah. want to, you know, joke mm. about that. But in the middle of the day, one day, my dad comes to visit me. He had already relocated to San Antonio. He comes to visit, and he sees that, you know, I'm not necessarily happy. I was working for Blue Cross Blue Shield, and I was just about to take a little... A break from them. They were laying folks off, and I was about to jump in there and get laid off on purpose. He <laughs> was like, that's not a good idea. So my dad said, why don't you just come and uh, see about San Antonio? And I thought I was just going to visit. But, girl, I went to, like, the mall or something, and I came back, and he had rented a U-Haul and packed up half my house. He was like, we're all he in. He was like, yeah, we're in. And I'm like, Dad, you just came to visit. But no, on a Tuesday, he came to visit. By Thursday, my house was packed up. On a Saturday, I was in San Antonio, girl. That's exactly what happened. It was a mistake. It was, it was the weirdest thing. And all my friends in Detroit was like, you just gone. I'm like, yeah, my dad. <laughs> How did he explain somebody at 25 year old, 25 years old, your dad comes to just basically relocate to? Yeah. But, you know, that's how I got here. That's and when you came here, did you move in with him? Did you kind of start your own no, life down here? I moved in with my aunt, whom mm-hmm. a lot of my uh, social friends know as Auntie Nita. Mm-hmm. She comes to some of my events. Uh, I moved in with her, and we just learned about each other. She's 80 years old. Well, she was 80 at the time. And we were uh, in this space. She was, you know, getting familiar with living alone. Yeah. And I was getting familiar with being a wild woman. And we <laughs> just kind of <laughs> enjoyed that time. And so I really appreciate that. I lived with her for about a year, um, maybe a little less than a year, because then I met Uche mm-hmm. and moved in with him rather quickly. But yeah. You're going to have to go to Pecha Kucha for that one. <laughs> that was a horrible story. Well, I want that story, too, oh. but let's, let's talk about Auntie ne- Nita. Auntie, yes, Auntie Nita. Still, um, did you kind of, like, reignite some fire in her oh, coming down all ready to be wild? I was city girl. I was, um, let me see, what can I get my, you know, what can I do? What can I hustle? How can I, how, do, how can I make this work for me now that I'm down here? I got a little bit of money in my pocket. I got a car. So I'm just going to just make some moves. I went to South by Southwest, and she didn't understand it at all. Um, I would stay <laughs> up in the middle of the night trying to find brand ambassador jobs. Mm-hmm. I would go to places and pass out cereal yep. and coupons and things. And then I got introduced to South by. I went to South by for a month. She called me, I think, every single day, like, where are you? What are you doing? What's going on? They just didn't understand. You know, I was working. I was making my moves, trying to really figure out what San Antonio had to offer me. Mm-hmm. Um 
in terms of public relations and strategic communication and things like that. And so uh, she ended up driving up to Austin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to check on you? Check on me. <laughs> <laughs> they really, I don't know what they thought I was doing. Um, but <laughs> I was passing out. And my dad had did this. Let me, this is the weirdest thing. My yeah. dad had did this in college also. Yeah. I didn't answer the phone for a week. And he took his butt from Detroit to Ann Arbor and tried to check on me. And the same thing happened both times. My aunt stopped a random black person and said, I'm looking for a black girl. She this tall with glasses on. <laughs> you must know her, right? You must know <laughs> her. person she stopped to ask us. And he pointed her directly to me. And it, I am still to this day. He said, that's her right there. She's passing out. <laughs> he knew. <laughs> he knew. Because I had just, like, I had talked to him, I think, once or twice. But she said, I just knew to ask the first black person because I know how you are. And I said, that's, you know, Auntie, you don't know my life. You know, I've had, <laughs> I've had to find my people. You don't know me. <laughs> you don't know me. But my dad had did that once in Ann Arbor and asked the first black guy that he saw. Yeah. I'm looking for Christian. And he pointed him directly to me. Sad thing to say, I was leading a swag surf party mm. in the Diag. Yes. Um, but, you know. Yeah. yeah. It's always been a lifestyle. And at Blue Cross Blue Shield, you're kind of like in this corporate culture. Oh, super corporate. And I was procurement. Yeah. Like, Cubicle life. Oh, my gosh. It's the worst thing ever. Mm-hmm. And I, my heart goes out to everybody suffering from the hardship of a cubicle. Mm-hmm. It's, it is discouraging, you know, to have walls just tightened in on It's you. like gray. It, and Yes. Everything was toe. The lights. What are those lights it's called? Um, the, fluorescent. Um, fluorescent oh lights. Oh, my gosh. Kill them all. Mm-hmm. Kill all the fluorescents. Yeah. Just break them. It's just... And I was a procurement executive, and I worked on the 19th floor, and mm-hmm. I had my little suit game. was tight. Mm-hmm. You know? There are some great opportunities <laughs> to look <laughs> yeah, to really look good. good. Yeah. yeah, I had a tight suit game. <laughs> and I worked downtown Detroit. So it was like my little mini glamorous lifestyle. I had a little one-bedroom apartment in something called Cass Corridor, mm-hmm. which is where... Um, my high school was there, and then, of course, there was an arts high school, but then there was this half high, halfway house, mm-hmm. and then a rehabilitation center, and then another community, like, soup kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, and so all of these wayward people would be around this space at all times, at any moment of the time. And I kind of made friends with them. So I would drive my little car and go to work downtown. I lived downtown, kind of adjacent. Mm-hmm. And then I would make come back, and I would just talk shit with these former at least convicts and or these former drug addicts and mm-hmm. just chill out in downtown Detroit it was it was a good break away from my yeah. corporate experience and that's when I started my Twitter page mm-hmm. so I would start from the conversations on this stoop and cast corridor what did you learn from like having those random conversations with people who I mean pretty much society is rejecting yeah I learned I think I learned more than I learned at Michigan I learned how to read people how to understand processes. I learned about uh, systemic disorder. I never really understood how how you can create disorder and, and, and be able to manifest money from it, currency from it, you know. And I, I just learned so much from, yeah, these people that had no home or had no space to go and, and couldn't. They were geniuses. They just fell into the wrong rabbit hole, you know. Yeah. But, I'm grateful for that time. Mm-hmm. So, did you? You've you've worked this corporate culture now. The suit game is on point, but you know we gotta let it go. When you came down to San Antonio, was there ever a point where you were like, 
Um, I'm going to go back to that. Or did you, once you came, you're like, fresh start, it's time to start something new. Let me apply some of these things I learned from these people I've talked to on the streets. Mm. And, uh, and, and yeah, I, I went, I tried to go both routes. I tried to apply for jobs. I got a ton of great interviews, and they just turned into interviews. And I tried to, you know, go further into building social media campaigns, promoting myself as a brand. I realized I didn't have the patience. I didn't, and I got fed up with stuff really fast, so I had to chill on that. But what really, really stuck with me was my ability to make a way. So I got a little job at Nordstrom Rack, hey. <laughs> which is like, yeah, that Rossi was a knows like girl. half my wardrobes from Nordstrom, Nordstrom Rack. Rack is a godsend, <laughs> and I was having such a good time working there, and that's where I met my first ever Mexican national. Yeah. And I was introduced to the world of how much money can a random woman have in her purse? Because they would come and drop their big bags yeah. or the littlest, smallest bags, and they would be packed with cash. And no, you guys, I am not like a thief or anything, but that means that there's a consumer market right there because somebody isn't dry yet. So we need to go and figure out what they're looking for. And I recognize that they were looking for great brands and cheap brands but cheap great brands right and and they had money to come and shop and spend and so they were only going to lock and tear now my way of driving around san antonio is i found out that 410 is three hours long and 1604 is 18 hours long <laughs> yeah, my exactly. god but every stop has a ross a marshall's a tj maxx and whatever and a taco little, cabana and a taco cabana <laughs> and man for taco cabana y'all yeah. and you know and i began a little private jitney service so before i got a job and right after i uh and nordstrom followed me because of uh fired me because of that they let me go the they, little side hustle they thought i was stealing from that store and followed me for a whole week you guys what kind of crap they followed me for a whole week and they finally asked me like what are you doing People are coming here asking for you, and when you're not here, they leave, and you're friends now, and you're speaking a little bit more Spanish. They thought I was stealing from the store, so I said, no, I'm not stealing from the store. I uh, go and I borrow my cousin's Escalade, and then I go pick them up from the resort, mm-hmm. and I drive them to all the marshals, and I meet them here. <laughs> like, this is where I meet This is where I met them. <laughs> Sounds like a, just a good idea, and somebody got angry about yes. it. She was so salty, and it was a chick. And I looked at her, and I was like, listen, you got kids. Kids, and you know you buying clothes and selling it on the internet later and you really mad at me and this was this woman looked at me dead in my face and I was like she's about to tell me that she's sorry it's somebody above her she said no you shouldn't be able to win that easily that's what so she, she told that's you? That's what she told me. And listen, I wasn't grown then so this not giving haters what they gave me was not Christian six years ago. Mm-hmm. Christian gave her her life that day in that office. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could have been a fly on the wall. I gave her her life. She did not know what to say. Uh, And then the funniest funniest part, and get ready to laugh, my mom was working at the same store at the same time. Did she Nothing. come to back you up, or no, did she, no, like, no, no, no. run in the other direction? She was my mom. If you've never met my mom, she's just, like, this little cute, squeaky little, like, little bitty lady. She's 5'1". She's just so adorable. Um, if, if, Yeah, so, right? And she was having lunch, and I come out, and I'm like, Mom, they didn't fire my ass. <laughs> it's okay to say. Okay. Yeah. yeah, you we can now, I don't curse in front of my mom, but she knew I was mad. Now, when my mom stands to me, she's 5'1", but when I stand to my mom, it looks like I'm, like, 
five six, five eight, but she's just you're small. towering over. Yeah, and she stood up and she's like, "Calm down," and she's <laughs> and I'm like, "Nah," and I like do some real hood shit and the, go in my lockers. And I had gotten these Nordstrom rat cards. If you sign people up for Nordstrom, they was giving you cash. You got rewards. For you got rewards, mm-hmm. cash rewards that day. Wow. And I had signed like ten people up between the time I got there and the time I got fired. And so I told the security guard that was supposed to be walking me out. I said, "If you don't go get my motherfucking money." <laughs> My mom You're like, like telling everybody, <laughs> go get my motherfucking money. I'm going to go out this back door. You meet me at my car. And he just stood there. And my mom just looks up. She says, go get her motherfucking money. <laughs> <laughs> and that's called, that calmed me down. And so it was the best day, I think, because it just let me know that while I was looking for these jobs, I was looking for this surety, they can drop me. Any minute. Any minute. If I don't have a cushion, if I don't have something that I can do where it's just, it, it's my decision to do it, then I have no security or stability, you know? And so I just, I just gave up. I gave up on looking for jobs until I met Uche. But. Okay, we, we we're coming back to Uche now. Is it time to tell the Uche story? Mm-mm. Are we ready for Uche? No. I really want to know the Uche I story. I don't want to know the Uche story. You built it up a little bit. I love my Uche story because it's weird. Everything in San Antonio is like, this is, y'all know that this is paradise, right? We live in absolute paradise. This is the Eureka town. This is the amazing place ever. Um, we met on Twitter. I was, I decided when I got fired, I said, I'm going to go out. I'm going to start my blog. I'm going to get my life together. I'm going to put it out there. I had a blog called Black in the City. And it was just about me being a black girl in the city, not necessarily any kind of, like, black news or anything, but I was just being black in the city. Um, and it was going to help introduce San Antonio's kind of super diverse to the uber minority that black culture is, you know, because we don't have a lot of mixtures here. I recognized her early on. And... Um, I was going around and I was tweeting and then I and nobody was following. Nobody in San Antonio was following. So I was basically doing this for all my followers in Detroit. Um, but Uche, I don't know if he followed me first or I followed him, mm-hmm. but he responded back. He responded with when I was asking, who wants to see a tweet pic tour? And he responded back, it's kinda hot out, but I watch. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first interaction. <laughs> It's kind of hot out. And I thought, like, oh, yeah, it is hot. But I didn't think he was warning me that it was hot outside. And I damn near died on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, girl, don't go walking around. You're going to. He knew. This girl from Detroit. From King William to La Vita. I swear, I had to crawl, like, the last three. (laughs) All sweaty. I was covered in sweat and I found me like a bathroom and then I'm like trying to repair it up I forgot where my car was and so I was like (laughs) I'm like where can I go for water and I end up getting some water somewhere and then it was like 3.30 I'm like I'm going to go to happy hour I tweeted I'm going to happy hour and he was like wait till 4 and I'll meet you at Azuka and I went to Azuka to kind of like scope it out and I'm just chilling there and had a mimosa or whatever those things um, mm, had a drink Okay. And he ends up coming like 4.15. And we just have the longest conversation ever. Mm-hmm. We talked for hours. I had had another date that night. <gasps> that you like, did not. Yes, I did. Did you cancel? Yeah, I did or not. Or did you leave? I you ghosted him, him. Yes, I did. I ghosted yes. him. I ghosted him. He, he found me maybe about maybe six, months six months later. Months. And I was like, or five oh, months, Five right? months. We got married. We <laughs> met in, <laughs> yeah, we met in August. We were married by January. Wow. Yeah. 
how what, you know did you how were how was your family were they supportive oh, they were they all wait to give me away they was just like yeah sure whatever that's gonna be fantastic where are we going <laughs> three o'clock okay where when how we, right, we we tried to get married on the first and then the, the justice of the peace was closed mm-hmm. duh so we came back on the third and we got married there and his grandmother was the only member of his family that was there and which was fantastic because if you, in Nigerian culture if you got the grandmother's love the whole family gotta love you right. so um, she's given the blessing yeah, she gave so you're blessing, good to go so I'm good to go and she's the most amazing woman um so we were super blessed uh to just have her that whole day and she just spent the day with us and we that's what we did and we went back (laughs) and then we started a business and that was it but it's kind of hard not to love Uche right I mean I'm sure your family just they love him they love him more than they love me it's just (laughs) crazy I mean he's got a group chat with his brothers and my brother and they all just crack jokes all day and then, I mean, just, and the way he interacts with my mom is hilarious to me. They have such a good time. That's so good. Yeah, he's a That's cool That's really, dude. really good. He's the coolest guy ever. So, um, gosh, I feel like maybe we're jumping around a little bit. We're good, right? We're yeah, just having a conversation. Fantastic. Yeah. So, one thing that I wanted to bring up today is, so you had your blog, Black in the City, right? Mm-hmm. And um, we met, so we met like two years ago. Yeah. You were producing event an event. The Coda? It was the one on the Hay Street Bridge. The Hay Street? Was it? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Was that yes. two years ago? or Three like years ago. Three years ago. Three years that ago. That was a long time ago. It was a long time ago. We met for coffee. Oh, yes. At Rosella. Oh, that, that was a weird year for us. It was? Yeah, it was so weird. Because we were, we were just doing stuff. Yeah. You know? And I don't think we had like a process that year. Mm-hmm. So when we did the, the Hay Street event, I think we were just kind of just going with it opportunities just kept coming at us so we just kept taking them and so that kind of overwhelmed us to how what we can do and how 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 we can do it it was, that big. was a different it was big it was big it was uh it was big it was a lot of landscape to cover. yeah um so yeah. we we restructured after that actually mm-hmm. we did uh we hired some new people we we brought on more vendors um I joined a board just to be a little bit more active in the community. I realized that we were doing a lot of work, but it wasn't working for the people around us. Um, and then we moved to the west side during, right after that time, so yeah. we increased our space a lot. So we had a mm-hmm. we had a big year. That was a big moment for us. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to call myself out a little bit. Uh-oh, what happened? So when we first met for coffee, we were planning some promotions for this event. We teamed up with you guys. Yes. And when we first met, aside from planning this, at the very the very last question when we were meeting together, you asked me what our show was doing for the black community in San Antonio. Uh, I'm like the unofficial <laughs> diversity yeah. coordinator for a lot of stuff. But I, and you may have never thought about this moment since, but I have because you caught me off guard. I was like, in that moment, I was like, what am I doing? For the black community in San Antonio and initially when I responded to you and I can't remember exactly how I responded but I thought to myself well you know I don't have like a show that talks about social issues we don't talk about deep stuff so you know I don't I don't necessarily know that there's a place for that right and I right. think that's kind of how I responded but um I sort of I had to check my privilege in that moment Ooh. Which is one of your favorite things, right? Check my privilege. To me, I like that. And 
know that I have a responsibility with the platform that I have to make sure that I'm giving equal representation to everybody that's in San Antonio. So no, this is not a platform for us to get up and talk about social issues, but am I representing black business owners? Are we having all sorts of musicians on representing all different cultures? So, you know, I think it's a little bit harder, right? You've got to go out and search for those things and make sure that you've got a good diverse group of people coming on the show, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that I've got a good diverse group of people in all different genres and fields and races and genders coming on the podcast, but it, it has to be that way if we're ever going to continue the conversation, continue to grow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And even, like, with hiring, too, you know, people say, well, I haven't hired a woman for this position because she hasn't applied for the job. Ah, and you're like, but the reason that women haven't gotten to attain this amazing success is cause, because of that. Because the, we don't necessarily know all of the moves that we can make. There's been so many ceilings. There's been so many, you know, it's built into us to be, you know, you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Culturally, we don't get that opportunity to assess a situation and say, look at all the jobs that I can go and grab. Mm-hmm. Because it's been a longer list for a longer amount of time of all the jobs we could not get. Mm-hmm. You know? Exactly. And, and ah, that's my thing in 2019 is women. This year has been women, sisters and Latinas, but women, it's just screaming out for us. Like We need to be able to assess the situation. At the Hustle and Socialize conference that we were at last week, um, one of the... One still of the, reeling. I know. Still high from that Still day. feeling it. Still feeling it. By the time oh this podcast airs, we'll probably still be feeling yeah, it. Yeah, we will. But um, there was a, a panel group, and one of the women said a very small way to help women is... When you need, you know, you've got your house. When you need a plumber, mm-hmm. try and find a woman-owned plumbing company. Yeah. When you need a computer repairman, look for a woman. Yeah. Like, just start looking. Sure, it's going to take a little more work, right? Yeah. You're not just going to be able to Google search it and call the first person mm-hmm. you find. But got to get out there. you got to network it out. If we're going to make a change, you've got to put in that work. Yeah, we got to do it because it's, it, we want someone to do that for us. Mm-hmm. Right? I want people to call me yeah. up. I want women entrepreneurs to call me and ask me, you know, for me to lend them my services and to assist in committees and things like that. And when they do, I can't help but say, how did you find me? You know, mm-hmm. and what can I do? Because they, they found me. So it's answering the call. Mm-hmm. You can't do everything for free, but you can do what you can. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would want to do that for other women as well. And for my mentees, I would want that to happen for them. I know. You know. Being a mentor is really special, isn't it? It's fun. It's really fun. It's fun. It's kind of fun. So you have your own business, Yay. you and Uche. Mm-hmm. And so you're a smaller company and you're a woman. And there's a lot of big shops in town that yes. are male-led too but um you know we want to give a shout out to what you do so let us what exactly do you do what is your company so i own bethany east pr and we are a full service public relations boutique we assist 
corporate clients, government regulatory clients, we're organizing, organizing um, campaigns, events, marketing structures, and things of that. We also recently rolled out small business packages where we're helping uh, small businesses learn how to do their own public relations. So giving them that guided assistance in marketing and PR and strategic communication uh, for an amount of time till we get them on their feet and push them along, you know? Yeah. Uh, we call that how to be a beast. So we've been doing that for about a year I now. I love that. Don't you love I it? Love it. I love and it. And then you've got the meetups too. Yeah, the meetups are called Feast with the Beast and we cap those at 25 persons. You come in, you network, we more than network, we create a conversation around a specific entrepreneurial topic and get everyone's opinions and we just have this amazing conversation. Uh, 25 people. And Uche and I do what we best we can to moderate it, but sometimes they're like, y'all, shut up, we got this, we're, we're, we're chiming on in. We go live before and after that because we want people that come there to have that experience for themselves, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. That's great. So we have a good time. So it's obviously taken off in ways that probably you have perceived a little or foreseen and in some ways that you haven't too, but back when you were starting, it wasn't just an instant success you shared some of those struggles at the conference and um i the day i came back i told rossi about the car story (laughs) yes she did so when she told me you were going to come on the podcast i was like so fucking stoked i was like i cannot wait yes but uh man one of the things the biggest things that i walked away from was your story about loss like and just how you have to let things go sometimes to move forward Mm -hmm. but um, tell us a little bit about that struggle of launching the business um, yeah. at first, how you kind of, you know, got it rolling. We, we were in a space where we couldn't, we couldn't take too many more chances. Um, we were backs against the wall. Uh, Uche has his own immigrant story, and when, he's, when he wants to share that, I'm pretty sure he'll share it. Uh, but launching the business was literally our only option where it would allow him to also work uh, because he was a recent graduate and um, his visa situation. So I call myself a first-year, <laughs> one-year in, half-year out, <laughs> law student. But if you own a business, you can work and we can make money. And uh, we were trying to go that route. And we couldn't keep hold of not one penny. We were in a space where we had everything was going towards our bills, car note, insurance, um, rent. And then I swear we had, like, a weird roommate that would play video games all day. And his computer was, like, a V5 engine. And so the electricity bill alone was, like, $300 for some reason per person. And I'm trying to find that Wait, wait a minute. $300 per per person? person. I don't know what that sucker was playing, but he was playing, okay? (laughs) He better been winning. He was launching rockets or <laughs> better been winning. Uh, <laughs> but it didn't even hit me because in Detroit the prices is the same. It's the same. So mm-hmm. it didn't even hit me until we moved out that energy bills were low. Um, so we couldn't keep hold of any money, and it was really depressing us. It was depressing Uche especially because he wanted to, you know, he was right out of college. Mm-hmm. He wanted to succeed so bad. I think he was getting pressure from his family. My family knew I was a fuck up, so they didn't really care. They were just like, Yo. you had, you came in with the expectations. I came in, yeah. Low. The expectations yeah. were super low. You met and married a guy, and now you what? Twenty dollars to get married. So um, when our car got repossessed, uh, I went through a little. 
I think it just numbed me. And being able to say, look, we got we got to go hard right now because we only have 30 days to get the car back. But that, I didn't even think about not having the car. I didn't let it get, it get me down. And when it was that I found out that I had that gap insurance and I had no clue that I had it, it was me, it was a moment where I didn't have to, I wasn't looking to get the car back. I was just looking for the information to see what was, what could be my options. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when you stumbled yeah, upon that thing in the gap focus. insurance and that I, you could. Oh my gosh, it saved my life. Yeah. Cause the car was on its last leg. I had driven it so horribly wrong um, and drove it from Texas or from Detroit. And so it was really not in good shape to spend another couple of thousand to pay it off or to just drop it was a blessing in disguise. Um, and I dropped it. And, of course, my family were like, no, you can't do that. You need a car. We're not going to drive you around. Uche's mom was like, this girl has made you lose everything, Uche. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> so I started feeling the pressure, but we let it go. And then it just seemed like everything just started happening. Um, well, just a lot of things just started happening for us. We landed a couple extra clients. We were able to host good people. Um, we were able to host good people and then at the same time we picked up Via as a sponsor and partner and they gave us the first um, sponsorship that was that had a comment in it that we ever gotten mm-hmm. so that was a, an, an accomplishment for us um, and it just opened up a lot of doors and what loss is is just a test you know it's a trial for how strong you are to carry the next load until you have to drop that one and pick up the next weight you know mm-hmm. so I, I began to think of loss that way as that was that that was a training period for the next training period yeah. you know yeah, um, Rebel Mariposa. Yes. Were you in that? Yes, uh, I that did. Part of the... Isn't it weird? Did you eerily feel the connection? Oh yeah. Listen. So, I... but she's amazing. Okay, so in physics, mm-hmm. I'm gonna try my best to be a scientist right now. Okay. But there is actually a a, a law Universal in physics law. where loss does not exist. Mm-mm. Loss literally does not exist in this universe. It's a transfer. It's a transfer of energy. Mm-hmm. So. Just as you said, you had to let go of that car, but that energy you were focusing on the car got to be shifted onto something else that was going to bring you more reward. Oh, yeah. And so if we constantly think about loss as a shift of energy, Mm -hmm. not a loss. Okay, so you go through a breakup. This is an opportunity for you to shift that energy to something more positive. You, you know... I mean, and I think women, as women, we want to carry these memories because, you know, we're we're we chronicle, we build phases. You never hear about guys talking about the next phase of my life. And, We've got you know, chapters and, stage, and, and chapter new book. a timeline. You know, guys don't do that. They do stuff and they get it over with and they forget about it until something reminds them. Like, oh, women, we chronicleize, but then we also keep all of that tied up into us thinking that it makes us who we are like those struggles and those those losses and pains make us who we are when in actuality it's the lesson of being able to get over them that makes us who we are and that is that shift you know shifting it from the 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 pain of a sob story to the lesson and how you won and how you over mm-hmm. overrode what what could have gotten you down right as long as you go into something thinking, how can I learn from this? Yeah. Then you really can't mm-hmm. ever lose. Can't. So, um, steep. It's good stuff. <laughs> it's good stuff. Right? It's good stuff. 
Um, in uh, this is a hard shift. <laughs> I'm just taking the wheel and, and pivot.com, everybody. Here we go. But what I'm really curious also to talk about with you as a, you know, a marketing and PR professional. Uh, I'm kind of on the other side of that, so I'm helping businesses and companies promote their stuff. But um, I get a lot of, I communicate a lot with PR companies, communi- communicate a lot with marketing professionals, and I want to know from you what some tips are or maybe some mistakes that you see people making with marketing or do you have any recommendations like you know there's so much right now with social media that people can go with um but you know on either side tips for marketers and people that are trying to market their business yeah okay yeah well and I love giving tips to to marketing people that's marketing their business but giving tips to marketers you can step on toes you know yeah I know. like no we can leave is, that one we can uh, yeah okay here's my thing for people starting their business they want to go too hard and they need because they need results right away mm-hmm. and it can mean stuffing your money into the sponsored ads and posts and then not looking authentic to your the clients that you already have completely disrupt the way that you build loyalty with your consumer audience I prefer to go a more organic route, do a lot more uh, self-made. I feel um, millennial consumers, who will be the largest uh, subset of consumers um, in the coming years, are making purchasing uh, decisions based on how they feel and align with brands, whether brands are hitting them in in their heartstrings at the same time as doing something for the community. It's emotional, yeah. It's emotional. It's all emotional responses. And I I, I fear that as people start and launch businesses, they forget about that emotional um, connection that they need to have with those consumers because they're trying to get on every platform. And and, and they're not networking and connecting and shaking hands and, and yeah. sharing their stories. And it just all seems so impersonal. So I want to keep my polo $7 in my pocket, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but folks are catching on you know we're getting more stories you sit on a space where you allow people to tell their stories where I'm trying to you know knock on doors and call you know that there is the gift that is the you've gotten to a space where you can tell your story and I'll continue telling it you don't need a new thing every other week we need to share the same story until everybody hears it um and that is that's basically what we attain to being able to share our story I'll keep going Mm-mm. I was going to say, it's, that's probably the most uncomfortable thing for me. You know, like really? I think people get very um, uncomfortable about sharing their story sometimes. I mean, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Making it either thinking that it's too much about themselves or that, you know, they've got something about themselves personally that they're afraid to share. I mean, you're always, you've, and from what I can tell, always been very open, right? Yeah, but I, I got my reasons. Yeah. Because I don't, I, I get nervous, so I quickly share it and then I'm out of there. So <laughs> I got well, to hit hard. And it's been, it's been <laughs> I get a little nervous. bit of time. I got like maybe about 45 minutes okay, tops. Like I'm yeah. in and I'm out. Like I'm not going to stay around. Yeah. I get to, I go to networking events. I talk to like seven people and then I got to sit down somewhere and have like a small little panic attack. So <laughs> I'm weirdly shy. I'm oddly wow. shy. Yeah. So how do you deal with that? Um... A tequila and a topo at the end of every day. Okay. Yeah, there right. we go. Because I'm in Texas now. That's my cocktail. Mm-hmm. And, and and just, you know, recognizing that 
my bottom line is affected by how I engage and who I engage and when I engage. I gotta also be the personable person that people need me to be in terms of who they're, how they select um, people to give projects and things to. And I have to connect with my audience, so I have to. I can't. I don't have time for like a fake personality. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, because you got to put that on and off, and that takes time. And I get too nervous between the time I'm putting it on, yeah. mm -hmm. <laughs> and I won't be able to say. So I just try to be as me as as I can. Mm -hmm. How do you like? Uh, how do you regroup after you're exerting? You know, after an event, you've gone out, you're networking. I mean, I the tell everybody. Uche told me to stop doing this. I tell everybody that I'm nervous because I do be super nervous, and I tell everybody when when people walk up, I'm like, you know, I'm super nervous, and they're like, okay, that's cool. But it's it's my way of just kind of. You know, your, it's your icebreaker. It is my icebreaker. And I do, I mean, I get the shapes, and I had to sit in the car and turn the fans on me real hard and all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, I love speaking. I love public relations. I love marketing. I do love people. Um, and maybe I just built a little trauma in myself. But I get that kind of, I get a nerve. Uche calls it a nerve buster. Like, you about to go through a nerve buster? Yes, I am. I need, you know, a bag a bag of candy and three water bottles really quickly. So it's sitting in the car, it's turning the car. on the air. It's turning in the air. You know, I uh, tell a couple jokes in the mirror. I got to tell jokes whenever I talk. Yeah. I need them to stop myself, to slow myself down. Yeah. So I've watched, I love comedy coming up. When I was growing up, I would watch, uh, I would sneak and watch Richard Pryor. Mm-hmm. And just die laughing. And when Monique came out, I swear I was in love with Monique. And I would just watch how she told jokes and her faces and her facial expressions. And I would watch everything that she do. And so I loved comedy, not to the point where I would be a comedian. But right, right, I just right. love yeah. laughing and then cracking a joke. And mm -hmm. all my uncles were comedians. Yeah. So it's just my thing. Put that into your everyday. Every Life's better day. when you can laugh. Isn't it? Mm -hmm. And when you can make, my favorite thing is making old people laugh. I love making old people laugh. Oh it's gosh. just like in the grocery store. I go to the grocery store just to engage yeah. with some nice old people. And the greeters. Yes, at Walmart. Melt my heart. Oh, my Thank gosh. You. I've been trying to convince my mom, and I know that she's going to be listening to this, but I've been trying to convince her to go do to that. To go and be a she greeter? Be just the I want my best. dad to do it. That'd but then good. I think, oh, Moses. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know what he say sometimes, you know. Also. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. Okay. So, also aside from giving marketing tips, um, I'd love for you to share about your your email base because that's a pretty big uh, strength of yours. Oh yeah. And that happens. I love my email people. My network, I call them um, on Instagram and on Facebook and mail uh, Mailchimp. I call <laughs> folks my network. So. What I've done is created um, the good people list. It's been three, four, ooh, five years coming. Mm -hmm. We've accumulated all these names from people that actually came to our good people events or our networking mm -hmm. events, and the list got up to at one point it was ten thousand names, and wow. then now it's kind of dribbled down to about five and a half. Uh, every month we add about. 300 people. These are all people that we network with. Um, and we started this thing called the Opportunity Report. And originally, it was just marketing information, things that was rattling around in my brain. And now it's events. Now it's a couple of uh, product informations. It's not a real true blog, because I only do it once a month. If 
I do it, you know, but I found now that I do have those 15, 20 people that if I don't send it out the first week of the month, they're like, where's my opportunity report? I just, you know, I need some events to go to. Uh, I started everything with a blog post because I I really felt that I could offer some information on how to market your small business or campaign. And at the same time, I wanted to slide in there updates about Bethany East. Mm. It's been a good... I've been doing the e-blast now for two years. Not too big, not too small, just something I like to do. Yeah. I think sometimes, though, it, we all have those people that come into our inbox, like, mm-hmm. heavy. Yeah. They're coming in oh, hot, yeah. like, yeah. every day. <laughs> yes. And yours is more tailored to, like, here's some information if you want it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's yeah. not so much, like, buy my product, buy my product, buy my service, buy my service. And You're just creating... To do that. I guess, I mean, honestly, if you're just creating community wherever you go whatever you touch you're creating community i'm gonna take that thank you yeah i mean you're uh listening to your keynote uh, we got to talk about that a little more because this was (laughs) the first time that you were a keynote speaker at an event you're in front of more than 100 women oh my god did you see that picture talk about being nervous right and they're all like women and you can you imagine like a hundred rays of sunshine just looking in your face, right? And I just, yeah, I wanted to stand there and soak it in. And then I kept on thinking, oh, wait, you got to talk. You got to say words now. You, like, you can't just appreciate yeah. the view because it was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen looking at all the women. I have never, and, and they all had this smirk, this smile. It turned up, not like a what's this bitch about to say, but like a, I'm looking forward to what this exactly. bitch is about to say. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so it was just, it was good. It was a fantastic experience. What did you think when Christina asked you to do it? What did you... Oh, y'all about to be so mad at me. I asked her if I could do it. Oh. Yes. No, but that's awesome. Oh, is it? No. Okay, good. And we've and I've talked, uh, I've been thinking about this too. You know, sometimes you have to tell people... Ask people what you want. Exactly. Yes, you I did that to... for another thing that's about to get announced next week, and, and then I'll share what will probably be announced by the time this goes on. Okay, Wait. that'd be good. I won't tell anybody if you say it right now. I asked, listen. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like People are like listening around the coffee shop right now. Listen. Like I'm about to go on Facebook Live. I asked Trinity, I asked Luis Martinez if I can be the entrepreneur in residence at Trinity next semester. And he said, yes. Woo. Yes. Talk about, about mentoring. And, and then I asked Uche if he would do it with me. So it's going to be both. We'll be the first couple, the first people that's currently already in, still in business. And then, of course, the first black man and the first black woman, entrepreneur and resident at Trinity University. And I asked for that. And that's important now, I think, women to ask for what they want. And who gives you a no, so what? But look for the yeses. You can't look for a yes if, you, if you're not asking the questions. You can't just sit back and hope that somebody's going to yeah. present you with what you Mm-mm. want. You've got to work for You've it. You've got to work for it. And sometimes people don't even know that that's what you want. Right. And that's what they need sometimes. Exactly. They need to be told. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that uh, we should probably work on designing your statue <laughs> now. Exactly. Um, I'm going to exactly. call Trinity and we're going to pick a plot of land. Put it oh, there. Yeah, pick out the outfit that you want. The, of course, you know, Beyonce changed up her. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to go with the most recent denim ensemble okay, with okay. the Swarovski exactly. crystal. Yeah. Yes, that's what I want. And uh, you know Uche is ready for that statue. Oh, for sure. Okay. Because he's a professional model. Yeah, now. he's been practicing. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, that's about all that I um, you know, wanted to cover. I'm super excited that you're here Thank and that you, you shared your story. I think it's really important. And um, you've totally inspired me to start connecting with people and just putting myself out there. And I would have never known that you were nervous about it. I'm always, I got, girl, full condition. It's a full nervous condition. Yeah. But it's got to be done, you know? It's got to be. And I'm definitely going to take away from this, like, if I want something, speak up about it. Let the people know. Mm-hmm. Let the people know. Yes. Let them know. <laughs> no, it's true. No. That's so important. Like, I wouldn't have known that. I think that's the dream. Yeah, ask for it. Right. Ask for something. Mm-hmm. Rossi started um, producing events on the side. Oh, yeah. Started producing events what? on the side. Well, I do it with, um, you might know her, Erica. Erica, EG collaboration, shameless plug. <laughs> <laughs> shameless plug. I love that. <laughs> she owns her own business. Okay. So give the phone her. number. Give yeah, the email address. So, there we so she does events. Um, so one of the events she's planning is the Frozen Treats Fest. I'm helping. Yes. I help her with a bunch of different events. Okay. So good. I really like working, doing those things. That's so. yes. Yeah. Putting yourself out there, collaborating. And it started like you guys. I met her. I, I asked her to meet up for coffee. There and you go. I met up for coffee with her, and we talked about. I asked her, "How did you start your business? How did you start doing events? How did that pan out for you?" And we've been friends ever since. Good job. Yeah. And that's love how that. I love that. we met, too, yes. is we go to coffee. You need help promoting your event. Just going to put it all out there. You would listen to my whole pitch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would turn the page. You'd be like, oh, is, oh, is there more? Okay. And I'm like, yeah, hold on. I was and ready then I got to say yes to you, like, the minute you sat down. But I let you, I let you do it. I let you do the whole pitch. Oh, there is more. And Uche was like, I don't think she was ready for this meeting. I'm like, I don't care. I need these placements, Uche. I need to get this media here. <laughs> and you, and that's worth saying, too, is that you had your calendar out, mm. you've got your planner, you are oh, you very gotta go organized. Yeah. Prepared, y'all. We got to be prepared. Mm-hmm. I've had women come, and, and I know use podcast, but I've had women come to me and they're not prepared and it bothers me. And I know what all I had to do to get the positions that I've got and I know who I had to compete with. You know, that's the number one thing that I have to look up and I don't believe in competition, but I do understand that you've got to do your research to determine what you, what what answers can you give yourself before even asking a question? Mm -hmm. You know, how do you, I have the conversation two ways in my head before I have a conversation. What are they going to ask me? So what do I need to have? What do I need to be prepared for? And what can I offer? If you don't know that, you can't really ask for much. That's a big thing. What can I offer? Mm -hmm. Um, I just had that kind of teaching moment with an intern where, you know, we got asked to go to lunch with uh, someone in town. I won't, you know, say who it was, but <clears throat> it, so many times people are asking you for things without mm-hmm. telling you what they're going to give you in return. And mm-hmm. It's got to be a mutually beneficial relationship mm-hmm. yeah. for something to work out. Exactly. Yeah. Overprepare. Yeah. Any other advice for women or young professionals? I mean, people thinking about starting their own business. Is it worth it? It's definitely worth it. It's where our market is going. We're shifting. We're deregulating all on our own organically. You know, we are pulling apart the big conglomerate businesses and we're starting our own because we have the access to the skill. We have the access to the free web for as long as we can. You guys get it together. And, you know, we have all the tools that we need. So jump jump out there, plan. Never operate it without a plan, but do it. It's lucrative. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank y'all. You're the best. You, you are, are really the best. <laughs> y'all really had a great time. Yay. Yay. Good job. Good job. High fives. <laughs> <laughs>
sharing her story today. I hope that you got a lot of inspiration to get out there and kick some ass this week. If you want more information on her company, her website is bethanyeastpr.com. I'm also going to recommend that you follow her on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. She is always sharing updates and positive vibes everywhere she goes. Next week, we will be sharing the podcast that we recorded live yesterday with the social butterfly gal, Christina Olivares. She opens up about how she started the social butterfly gal. And after graduating college with a degree in broadcast journalism, she was searching up and down, high and low, left and right for the perfect job for her. But she wasn't able to find it. And I'm so proud of her because she said, you know what? I'm going to create this on my own. I'm going to create that perfect job for me. She's super inspirational. She helped a lot of women that day um, answering their questions. And more or less, she I had this crazy idea. I called her up. I said, do you want to do this with me? I know the podcast has only been out for a month, but I think that we can make this happen. And she said, absolutely. Didn't think twice. And two weeks later, we were hosting our first ever live podcast recording. So She is a great friend, a great inspiration, and I can't wait to share her story with you next week. So until then, be nice to everyone. Be kind. Spread the good vibes. Spread love. No haters allowed. Double tap or delete. That's my motto for this week. What about you guys? Hashtag double tap or delete. All right. Thanks for listening to Coffee with Katie and Kick-Ass Women. We'll see you next week. Bye.